for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Billy Ray Rock. How's it going today, Billy? It's a beautiful day, brother. Just kind of hanging out, you know? Doing great, yeah. Brad. I got you. Howard, you're up in uh, uh, Washington right now. How are things going up in the Pacific Northwest? It's good up here, man. It's hot one minute, and 10 minutes later, it's raining. I don't know if I'm going or coming, man, you know? Yeah. But, um, you know, just trying to stay healthy and virus-free. Yep. So it's a good thing, man. Yep. It's good. T- down here in Texas, it's made it super easy to stay inside because it's been doing nothing but raining for the last two days. So, Well, that's, the way, that's a good way to keep you isolated and self-quarantine. That's for damn sure. Yep, and it took us from triple digits. Now we've been sitting in about the 80s. So it's like, okay, that cool off is, is coming. <laughs> so hope before you know it, it's going to be – winter and really cold so, <laughs> yeah um but first off i w- really want to thank you for taking time out of your day to come sit down and chat with us a little bit um but before we go too deep down the rabbit hole uh what originally or what got you into music what's kind of your origin story well basically man um i i grew up with my brother uh i come from a family of 11 kids and i'm the youngest and i grew up you know in an old rickety house we lived in and the room behind the room I was in my, my big brother plays saxophone he's a big time jazz R&B saxophonist and I thought it was the dumbest thing ever all he did was practice for hours and hours and hours and so uh not long after being annoyed with hearing him practice he popped it at my junior high school with his band yeah playing and every pissant girl that I even thought was cute and liked went screaming to the stage like Elvis had just showed up. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to figure out this damn music thing. <laughs> but I started up. So I got into it, man. I started playing um, bass guitar. And I picked up a little bit of regular guitar. Uh, from there, I, I, I played clarinet in school, trumpet, sax. I just started skipping around. But a long story short, man, I, I stayed in music in part because as I started to grow up as an adult, man, I thought about those years of being a kid and listening to music on the radio. Because back in the day when I heard music, man, you know, you have to sit through Elton John and America and the Moody Blues and, and all those guys just to get to an Earth, Wind & Fire song. Yeah. So it, it taught me to appreciate all types of music. But even more than that, when I hear those old America songs and and uh, oh, Gilbert or Sullivan and those guys. When I hear those songs, it takes me back to a particular point in my life. And, that, and I kind of always wanted to be a guy that can make a song that put people in a particular point in their life, mm. you know? Or there was that first date you went on or the first house you bought or the car that you drove. And, and so that's what kind of started my musical journey, man. Awesome, awesome. And uh, so growing up was, you specifically brought up Earth, Wind, and Fire. Were they one of your big influences growing up? Well, absolutely. Earth, Wind, and Fire, I got a lot of things from a lot of people. Earth, Wind, and Fire was really a jazz band posing as an R&B band. Mm-hmm. You know? um, those guys were so skilled. And I, I, the precision of their percussions, their horn sections, was just unmatched. And their level of precision... Um, Combined, combined with the fact they were to pull it off in an R&B way, Earth on the Fire did happy R&B. Now, people don't do happy R&B anymore. When somebody sings R&B now, it's all about she either she left me and I'm going to die, or mm-hmm. how can I get your pantyhose off, okay? Yes. And Earth on the Fire did a happy thing. And so Earth on the Fire was this really unique kind of structured sound and band and that it appealed to me from a musician standpoint but it also appealed to me from a creative standpoint that I could do stuff that was kind of intricate in nature, but at the same time was funky and had like really nice melodies to it. 
Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you just released a new single back uh, at the end of July here. I said back at the end of July. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm a, uh, we'll, we'll get to that here in a minute. But like when you sit down to write, like what's kind of your creative process when you sit down to write? Well, what I do is I try to figure out what kind of song I want to make. Like, let's say I, I did a song called Darling Nikki. And I said, I said, you know, I want this song to be about a girl named Nikki. Um, I was really kind of shooting for kind of a tribute to the Darling Nikki song that Prince did. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, so what I do is I figure out what kind of song it's going to be. Then I make music to create, to feed into that mood. Then once I figure that out, I try to match lyrics and melodies to feed into that type of music. You know, Michael Jackson said once, famously said, when you make music, you got to let the song write itself. So what I do is after I make the music, I just, I let the song write itself. And sometimes I try to make a song, it starts off, I'm thinking it's going to be a party song, and it winds up being a laid back kind of a jazz group. Now, I, and I didn't mean to be that way, but the music walked me in that direction. And you got to obey the vibe. Hmm. And that's what I do when I create. I do music, I do lyrics, but I basically am a slave to where the music is taken. And that's the only way you can hear, have a pleasant listen. You know, nobody, you know, you ever hear a song and the song plays and it gets to the chorus and your eyebrows go up and you go, okay. <laughs> Yep. That's somebody that abandoned, they, 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 they weren't true to the vibe of the song. Yeah. No. So that's they, or, kind of my process, yeah. Or they, they had a, an original vision for the song, but the song had another idea for itself, and there they still go. tried to fit their vision into what the absolutely. song was becoming, and it's just yeah. like, yeah, it doesn't work. Oh, absolutely. But, so, um, we'll, we'll jump on your uh, new single that you just dropped. It's uh, called My Baby Mama, correct? Yeah, I just put that out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so w w what's kind of the uh, story and the idea behind that song? Well, I, did that I did that song back in, I think, 1998 when I did that. Okay. And I did it, and I, I never released it. It just kind of was just on my drive. I didn't think nothing about it. Gotcha. So then I had a buddy of mine was like fanning through some of my old songs on my drive in the studio. And he heard it, thought it was the funniest damn thing ever heard. Okay. <laughs> it was the gotcha. funniest damn song. So he, it, it's an old song, but it, it's not really your new single. So no, no, recent single not. would be Sexy People Around Me? A sexy Bird, yeah, exactly. That'd be okay. more of a new thing. Uh, my Baby Mama won't be on my album. Okay. And Sexy People Around Me will be. Okay. Yeah, that, that explains why it threw me off so much. I was like, this sounds so completely different than anything else on here. I'm really confused right now. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so, what No, means. okay. I got gotcha. you. Perfect. Uh, so what's the story behind uh, Sexy People Around Me and what, what was kind of the inspiration for it? I wanted to do something that was pure uh, funk dance. Um, but I wanted it to be more electronic than Get the Funk. Um, and much like a lot of these funk songs that I do, I'm trying to get today's ear, these kids today, to appreciate the history of funk and where it comes from. And so the little chant at the end is, uh, the melody is borrowed from a group called Lakeside and a song called Fantastic Voyage. And so... I, I kind of snip that on there because I want people to understand it. But and in the beginning, I talk about Larry Blackman, who's, of course, the leader and creator of the group Cameo. Um, so it's just it's just a funky, fun dance song that I wanted to be more electronic than Get the Funk. But I wanted to do a secondary follow-up song to Get the Funk because I know I'm going to go into venues where people are going to want to hear more funk music. And I wanted to make sure I had something to give to them to kind of, you know, entertain them in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, uh, I, I think, a, I, I don't want to call funk like an older genre, but it's, it's definitely been very not, that sounds really weird to say it too, but it's not really been a mainstream thing that you've seen right. pop up. And I'm really excited to see like 
some of these genres that haven't had a mainstream platform in a while start to make a comeback. And I think funk is one of them because, you know, just it's something different. And you, you absolutely. Well, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, as I kind of touched on earlier with this whole R&B, you know, happy R&B thing. Mm-hmm. I posted a thing the other week here that said, you can't spell funk without the letter F-U-N because mm-hmm. it's fun, you know? And a lot of these, these artists now, when you hear a song that's danceable and snappy and moves, somebody's rapping on it, okay? And the idea that you can have a song that's upbeat, danceable, where nobody's rapping, they're just singing melodies, mm-hmm. like it doesn't happen often enough. And it does happen. I mean, the last truly enormous song where there were just people singing and there's not a lot of rapping happening was probably Usher and that song he did with Ludacris and those guys called Yeah, called yeah mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it's it's just, you know, I mean, I'm happy. The Pharrell Williams song is probably another example of a happy R&B song. Um, but it, it just doesn't happen often enough. And so, yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm I'm hoping that this will make a big comeback beyond me. You yeah. know, absolutely. I think it's needed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, you need, you got so many of them shoot em up club songs that you just need that happy absolutely. one song that when you go out, when you and your friends go out, it's just that song where it's like, okay, we're having fun. And, yeah. you know, it's not caught a body about a week ago or, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, um, no, that's really cool. So, you, uh, so you've been releasing a lot of music throughout the, throughout 2020, man, I'm assuming it's a lot of the pandemic, a lot of during the pandemic as well. It, mm-hmm. Like just running through your Spotify, it was, there's a lot of stuff you've been releasing this year. Well, absolutely, man. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to, I want to do, like, my thing, man, is this. Um, as I said before, I want to do music mm-hmm. that people will be able to listen to and look back and go, oh, my God, I remember I was doing this or doing that when that song came out. And this pandemic makes this a really, truly unique year. Mm-hmm. Because people will 10 years from now, 15 years from now go, oh God, I remember that. And everybody had to wear a mask. Yep. And you know, and all these kind of things. And my goal as this year starts to develop and the pandemic and everything is I'm gonna do a barrage of songs. So when we come out of this year and we look back 10, 15 years from now, and people listen to the music that I did today, beyond it being an unusual year. Yep. I want to be able to be a soundtrack, if you will, to some degree to some folk. Yeah. So they can put a song, and go, oh my God, I remember that year. Oh, that's when the pandemic was going on. Yep. You know, so yeah. So that's 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 inspired a lot of that. Beyond just the time to do it, yeah. There's a specific thought in mind about that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, it's also a really good time for independent artists to be releasing because a lot of the record labels and the national touring acts aren't really releasing like Absolutely. i mean yes you still got like your taylor swifts and like some of the some like big name artists that are like actual musicians that are releasing stuff mm-hmm. but for the most part if they can't tour the album they're not going to release it so exactly true. oh yeah yeah and i think yeah the independent artists i think do I, I, I tell you, I gotta tell you, man. I, I think that it's it's shameful the number of artists out there who have quality music mm-hmm. that can't get to terrestrial radio. It is shameful, <laughs> and I just I I feel bad. I hear a lot of outstanding songs, music, and they just don't get a sniff yeah. because you know, some of the big wigs. You know, the big majors have got the airwaves bought up, and that's how it is, yep. you know. Not to let the cat out of the bag too much, but we're looking to change that a little bit. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Awesome, man. Um, I, will, I talked a little bit about it on the, our Instagram live this morning, but uh, we're working on a syndication project with a couple of local radio stations, so. Oh, that's beautiful, brother. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. Hopefully, hopefully it turns into something. If it doesn't, you know, it is what it is. Are you going? Um, yeah. So, uh, you also mentioned that you're working towards an album. Is it? It's going to be a. I'm assuming by the volume of music you've released, it's going to be a full length album. It'll be a full length title, "Bad News," 
um, the uh, you know, I'm a multi-genre artist, mm. you know. Um, I've had people compare me to Prince, which, hey, thank you, <laughs> you know, um, whatever. But I, I, I'm a little different in the sense that I could deliver a song uh, like Time Keeps On or Had a Good Woman, mm-hmm. which are alternative rock songs. Then I could turn around and deliver a song like Dance With Me which is kind of a Justin Bieber-ish, cool, jazzy, dance, kind of laid back kind of thing. Then I got the kind of voice that can deliver a song like Get the Funk, which is cold, hard, funk, Mm R&B. So when you get my album, you're gonna get different feels. Like when I was growing up, one of the biggest pet peeves that I used to have, me and my friends used to hate, was somebody would come out with a hit and then all 12 songs was like another version of that song. Yeah. <laughs> and you felt like you just heard the same song with two cowbells instead of one. You know, I'm being facetious, but yeah. you get what I'm saying. Yep, no, I um, 100% do. Yeah, and I, and I thought to myself, man, if I ever put together an album, I'm going to give people something different. I'm not going to go so different that they just throw their eyebrows up and go, that's just freaking weird. Mm. But I'm going to do some different stuff because I... I want to try to get people, that guy who likes Get the Funk may not, especially in today, the way people are polarized with their music, mm-hmm. he may not ever, he may live his entire life and not hear an alternative rock song. Yeah. But if Time Keeps On can open that door to him to hearing it, then he's going to be more open to hearing Imagine Dragons and some of those types of guys. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's what I want on my album to be. You know, and it, it's definitely a, a very tried and true method to introduce new genres to uh, fans of, of a singular genre. Because, like, I mean, I automatically think of Cypress Hill. They, they're, what was it, their Skull and Bones album? Mm-hmm. They had, like, a rock and a rap album in sure. one, you know, and, like, you could, I'm sure we could sit here and name off a whole bunch of musicians that started off in one genre and then just kind of slowly moved into another Absolutely. genre. Absolutely. And that's, and that's my thing. And that's where I get people, I get my inbox all the time. People compare me to Prince in that regard because Prince could give it to you in rock. He can give it to you in funk. You know, the one thing that Prince could do that I think that I can't do mm-hmm. Prince could sing a ballad to make all the women want to take their panties off. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I can't do that. I, I don't got that skill. God bless him. I just don't got it. You know, but I've heard in other regards, I've heard that comparison and I feel blessed to have that skill set because mm-hmm. not everybody can do it, but I feel like with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. So I'm trying to make sure that since I've got this skill that I, I handle it with respect and I respect the listeners enough to know that if you're going to hear a rock song from me, it's going to sound and be legit. And if you're going to hear a funk song from me, it's going to sound and be legit and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. So for this album, it's going to be a little bit of everything that you touch. Do you have a release date on that album yet? or We're still putting together a release date. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were trying to schedule the release date up with the tour. Mm-hmm. But then the pandemic hit. Yeah. Screwed all that up. <laughs> yeah, I got you. And so I've got some promoters over in South Africa wanting me to come over there. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to play in South Africa. Yeah. You know, my song is number two on iTunes over there at R&B and number, I think it's 36 or 38 mm-hmm. overall. And so I got, my music is doing really well there. Here's yeah. the problem. You know, South Africa got, been having pandemics since I can't remember. <laughs> you know? They got their own set of pandemics. They got some shit over there, man. And look, made the coronavirus look like the common cold. Okay. Yeah. Are they still dealing with the water shortage? In South Africa? And more. And more? Okay. Yeah. So I'm not, first of all, I wouldn't get on a plane to fly to Kentucky right now with all this pandemic stuff going on. So the idea of getting on a 12-hour flight or whatever the heck it is to a country that's got so many other forms of, you know, diseases, airborne, it's, it's just a hard thing to do right now. Yeah. But I'm eventually going to make my way over there. Absolutely. Awesome. You know, it's 
it's funny you brought up Kentucky. I'm leaving for Kentucky in two weeks. I'm going on family <laughs> vacation. It's like it's kind of random, man. Yeah, you know, it, it's just one of those things where it's like we've been trying to find a way to uh, get the entire family together because I live here in Texas. My parents live down in Florida, and my sister lives in Indiana, and we're right. all from Chicago. Okay, and so it's like. Well, Kentucky's kind of in the middle. There's a big old lake there. Let's go get a cabin. And yeah. Everybody, I love Kentucky. That's so funny. Yeah. I just rattle off Kentucky off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, but I was reading your profile. You're originally from Texas, right? That's where you grew up? Yeah, Mount Pleasant, Texas, man. Family's from there. Um, Mount Pleasant, you know, shaded a little town south mm-hmm. of Dallas. Uh, you That's probably know where it is. You're out there already. Yeah, but I, I, but yeah. I live down in Waco. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, family out there, man, and we migrated out to California, went to Fresno, mm-hmm. California, stayed there, got into my adulthood, wound up going to the Bay Area, and then went to L.A. for a while, and, you know, and just, just kind of here and there, man, you know. it's, it's uh, But, yeah, Texas, I love Texas. I uh, love the people in Texas, man, you know. You can talk to me for five minutes and figure out that I'm probably from the South somewhere, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> But it comes out more when I talk to fellow Texans. You know how it goes, you know. Yep. yep. It's so funny because I never realized that I still have my Chicago accent until I came here to Texas. And (laughs) I start pronouncing some of these cities around here, like the city names. And they're Uh like, boy, that Chicago accent just pops out, doesn't it? And I'm like, it's only... It's only the more Hispanic names, like the like the more the Hispanic influence names, mm-hmm. and then the Chicago just pops right out. Like, out. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even do that intentionally, you know. Wow. But it, it's so funny. Um, so you, you're getting ready to release the album. Uh, what was like this song selection process? How did you kind of go about uh, selecting songs for this project? Well, my thing is, uh, you know. selecting songs is a lot like having a room full of 20 kids in there and go, which one are you going to take with you to the store? (laughs) (laughs) So it's, but the the process for me, especially it being my, you know, my debut effort is I got to stay on brand. Number one. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm a country boy from the country. Um, but I do funk and rock, but it's a, it's a poor man's game with me. I don't sing about having Bentleys and Rolls Royces. I sing about having F-150 trucks and, and, uh, you know, being poor, you know, on my song, Don't Be Afraid. I talk about barefooted to the store, you know, you know, so the selection process for me has to do with making sure that I stay on point, but when I say stay on brand, it's just another way of saying just being clear about my perspective. So it has to have that when I'm looking at songs. The other thing is I want to make sure that I got different genres in there. Okay. Yeah. So rock has to be represented. The other thing I wanted to do is, because I'm not a guy that does ballads. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a song called Darling Nikki. And I got another song called Irresistible, okay? And they're both kind of more stripper-type ballads, if you okay. will, you know? But I wanted a song that was more of a ballad that women would hear. Okay. And that's why I did the song Had a Good Woman. So I want to try to cover a lot of bases. I'm a big fan of 80s music. Mm. So I don't want to do, like, remakes, but I love the titles. So the song, for example, Dance With Me, is a hit by Rick James off of, uh, off of the album following the Super Freak album, which is uh, Throwing Down. Uh, Sunglasses at Night is a title that comes from, of course, Corey Hart and his hit. So there's a lot of names. Darling Nikki comes from Prince. None of them sound like those songs, but I want to include that type of element because I'm trying to do everything I can to get people to have a second look. Yeah. But that was part of the process. So there's a lot of things that went into it. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Completely understand. You want to, because you're so 
why there's such a wide variety to the types of music that you perform and you play you want to make sure everything's equally represented and make sure that there's a little bit of something for everyone absolutely absolutely have you ever or are you in the process of thinking about doing like albums for singular genres like once you kind of get yourself established start focusing okay this time i feel like doing a funk album or this time i feel like doing an alternative rock album and just kind of experimenting in that direction or do you kind of see yourself staying just making it a variety one album as a variety of different things well here's the thing so somebody asked a similar question that just in passing the other week here and i gotta tell you man i would like to make a rock album Mm -hmm. um kind of in that, that imagine dragon type of style almost edm rock if you will the problem is rock is not really selling a lot these days. You know, it's, rock used to be the number one form of music. Mm-hmm. That was number three behind hip hop and country. Yeah. And regardless of what I do, I want to do it in a space where I'm going to reach the most amount of people. Not for monetary gains, but nobody makes, I hate it when I hear musicians say, I make my music for myself, I don't care. Mm-hmm. That's a bunch of bull, man. Yeah. I make my music to, for, to, I want as many people to hear it as possible. So I, yeah, to, to answer your question, I would like to do genres specific to that. I, I won't do it though. That's one reason. The other reason why I won't do it and I want to mix it up is that when you're a multi-genre artist like me and you come out with a sophomore effort, and you pick a genre and run in that direction, people are gonna categorize you as being that artist from now on. Mm-hmm. So if I did a net follow-up album and it was all rock, they go, oh, I guess he just wants to do rock now. I thought he was a funk guy, but I guess he's a rock guy. Or yeah. if I did all funk, they go, I thought this guy did some alternative rock, I guess he's just a funk guy. Yeah. But then if I try to go back there, they go, oh, he failed at rock, now he's coming back to funk. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, so, I completely understand. And I don't want to carry that baggage around with me. Yeah. So I think I will forever, for that reason, mix it up. Okay. No, that makes perfect sense. You know, is you, you just see, and I, I, I 100% see where you're coming from, because you see artists that have been, like, in one lane their entire life, and then mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I've been in this country lane, so now I'm going to kind of merge over into, like, pop, and then alternative rock, and, like, so they try and merge lanes, and they get yeah. the same, like, oh, yeah. they, they couldn't hack it as a country artist anymore, so now they're trying to become something they're not, or, yeah. you know, something like that. There you go. Completely understood. That's absolutely true, yeah. Um, so how have things been treating you during the pandemic? Are you, do you find yourself writing more or uh, wanting to play more? Like, how has things been treating you musically during the pandemic? Well, it's been treating me good. I, I want to, my biggest stifling creativity during the pandemic, uh, honestly, is mostly just, it's, it's, I pretty much finished up my album by the time it hit in, 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 in some part. The biggest stifling and frustration has been how I've been really not been able to do videos the way I've wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to have a crew come by and do some stuff. Can't do it. You know, I can't trust who's got the virus, who don't. Um, so I've had to do all these videos that you see have been produced by me, starring me, edited by me. Um, and they're done on iPhones. <laughs> Uh, green screens. Um, so that's been the biggest kind of bugaboo on my end. Gotcha. I completely understand. You know, it's it's an interesting time because a lot of people are being pushed into really challenging themselves creatively. And a lot of people have had to learn, like they focused on music their entire life, but they've also now that especially if they don't live with somebody that knows how to produce or knows how to uh, film or any of that stuff, they've got to kind of figure it out themselves. 
Sure. So that, that's been a huge learning curve for a lot of people. Oh, it sure has. And I've done like, you know, videos for my kids and that kind of stuff years gone by. But I'm partial with a situation where I got to get a video. Like we submitted, get the funk for, to hopefully, you know, get a Grammy consideration, you know, for next year. Mm. And you can't do, you can't submit a video. You can't submit a single without a video. And so I had to piece together the Get the Funk videos best I could. I wanted my brother, who does the sax solo in it, mm-hmm. wanted us to do it together. But with everything being locked down, I had to green screen him in. It's, it's just, uh, hmm. Gotcha. It's nothing else. You know? yeah. I'm not the editing guy. Yeah. I wish I were, you know. I got all this crap on here that I could make me blow up into a thousand bits. Mm-hmm. But I don't really know how to apply that to a freaking music video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so. I completely understand. It, it's, you know, it's it's one of those things where every, there are certain things that you just don't know how to do. And it's like editing editing's like an entirely different monster because I do, I, I video edit all day. Like that's literally what I do for my job. I'm a video editor and just, some of the stuff that that I do, it's like, wait a minute, I know actually know how to do this. Wait a minute, when did I learn? How, you know, it's <laughs> so it's just kind of like it, it's one of those hard things. I completely understand what you mean. Like, never, not really knowing your background or anything, but like just kind of being forced to get stuff done. At least you're getting it done. You're making an attempt. A lot of musicians I've known just kind of gave up and was like, "Yo, I can't do this. So I'm going to wait until everything goes away." It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like we don't know when this thing's going away like there you go yeah, yeah you like they're, they're saying november we could have a vaccine and it's like well they were saying that back in march but you know whatever so it's like it may be another year we don't know like we literally yeah. do not know and nobody's getting any younger here you know i man i gotta get out and, I, and i'm gonna tell you i've wanted i've had guys come to me and offer to edit my videos, I'll edit it for you, man. Just send me the footage and all this kind of thing. And I, it's like I, it's I don't know. Like it, I produce music for people, and I'm gonna tell you one of the things I do when somebody comes in the studio. I mean, I get to know who they are. I get to know kind of what image we're trying to build. Like, there's you got to get into their vibe, mm-hmm. and the people who just fill up my inbox that says I'll edit it for you, I go, you don't really know me, mm-hmm. you know, to understand the, my vision of what I'm trying to get out there. And it just, it becomes much more complicated in some ways. And a lot of it too has to do with budgets, you know, it's like, man, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not out touring, so I don't got 20 grand to just give you yeah. to edit this video, you know, and if I'm out there touring and on the road with, it's a different story. But you know you're relegated to 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 meet for money from sales and things, which has been great for me, no question about it. Yeah. But you know you need to make it at another level to afford these, you know, high end, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you when there isn't a pandemic, how often are you out uh, touring, or how yeah, how often are you? I out try to get out as often as possible. Um, you know, the thing is with me is that, you know. Um, kind of like one of those artists for all seasons mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know, I could go out and perform in a club that's primarily a dance club mm-hmm. and just do it to track, like singing the words. Or um, I can go out and do the same thing and open up for a rock band. And so because I've kind of got that versatility, it keeps me busy, but Lately, especially, I've been turning down a lot of dates because I want to focus on, as we talked about in the beginning, Mm -hmm. of getting my music out to terrestrial radio. So when I pulled into town, I got a bigger fan base that's out there. Because I think, look, at the end of the day, if, if you're at some club somewhere, some guy comes out with his bass guitar and starts singing, the first thing you ask yourself is, why Why will, Why do I care? Mm-hmm. Who is this guy? Yeah. 
And they don't care until you play that song they've heard on the radio. Then they go, oh, that guy. Yeah. Well, now it's a party. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm trying to position myself to where that's more the case. Mm-hmm. And I don't spend the first two or three songs, you know, basically getting them on my side to understand that I make great music. Mm-hmm. And so that's happened. Sometimes I get there and they know who I am. Sometimes I got to remind them. If you do, you hear it at the beginning and then they want to go take their piss and drink or you're doing the other four songs. Yeah. So it's this constant kind of thing. But to answer your question, I try to get out as much as I can, but we've slowed down a lot lately. Yeah. Because well, of that. The, the obvious reason why is the global pandemic. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, you know, it's so funny because when everything first started happening, I was like, I don't want to turn this podcast into everything's about the pandemic. But it's like, now this thing's been going on so long. It's like, nope, that's pretty much what everything becomes is about the pandemic. It's, it's there, man. I mean, I did a song called Gotta Be Strong. The is coronavirus. that the, uh, the coronavirus song that I saw in your? Yeah. No. Now, the interesting thing about that song is. First off, the conversation with me and my brother in that song is the last conversation I had with him before he passed away. And so it's, it's, it's a unique song in that. And by the way, I recorded that song not knowing he was going to pass away. Mm-hmm. You know? I just on a lark thought, I'm going to call my brother up. I know he's in the hospital. I'm going to record this. Who knows what will happen? Mm-hmm. My point is... After I made the song, what I realized is people inherently want to run to happy. Mm. They don't, by the masses, don't want to run to sad. So if you do a song that bums people out, people aren't going to want to listen to it very often because it's going to drag their day down. And this pandemic, there was a minute to where there was a window to feed the kind of sadness that people were feeling about everything. That moment is gone now. Now it's unfortunately gotten political now. Yeah. So now if you wear a mask, some people think that you're violating their rights. Mm-hmm. And so you got all these different narratives out there around this pandemic now. So that it's the one thing that you talk about and people Unfortunately, like, it's so weird because when the swine flu was out, nobody said it was a hoax. Yep. You know, when the bubonic plague was trying to make its way out, nobody said that was a hoax, you know. Bird flu, swine flu. Bird flu, all those things. Yeah, the people just said, okay, it is what it is. Yeah. Now you got people going, oh, I don't believe the stats, and yeah. I don't believe this, and I don't believe it. So it's, it's got to be so polarized now that I have a hard time, honestly, man, um, you know, just trying to communicate with people mm-hmm. uh, the time that we're living in because everybody's so divided about whether or not it's something to be concerned with. So yeah. I'm, 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 in short, I feel what you're saying. Yeah. When you say, yeah. I'm not trying to make every podcast about the pandemic, but it's there. Yeah, know? it's there. It's, it, it is what it is, you know, and it's, yeah. it, it's like we've been so deep into it now. It's like, all right, like you, you don't have shows. Why? Pandemic. Oh, you haven't been able to release a single. Why? Oh, I haven't been able to get to the studio. Why? Panda- you know, so it it's just one of those things where it's like I just dealt with it and was like, okay, fine. I'll bring it up when it's uh when it's appropriate. Yeah. So yeah. um so you also mentioned that you produce a lot of music. Correct. Do you produce your own stuff or do you go into have somebody help else help you produce your own stuff? I produce and perform all the music you hear on my songs. Um, with the only two exceptions is to get the funk, the horn solos and whatnot, my brother. Mm-hmm. The uh, guitar solo on Had a Good Woman is done by a good friend of mine, incredible guitar player, Christopher Holmes. Guy's phenomenal. Uh, he actually appears in the video at the end doing his thing. The other song, Time Keeps On, he does the guitar solo on there. But everything you hear is me. I produce songs for other people. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, producing music for other people is in part what helped me find my sound. Hmm. You know, I remember I was doing a song for this one female vocalist. 
And I was trying to get her to deliver the vocals a certain way. She said to me, she says, you know, I don't know if I want to sing it like that because it makes me sound like Mariah Carey. And they're not trying to be a Mariah Carey. I go, trust me, you're not going to be a Mariah Carey. Mm -hmm. There's only one Mariah Carey, okay? <laughs> Settle down. That's not going to happen, okay? And what I figured out is when I was coming into my own singing, I used to be concerned. Maybe I'm going to sound too, because I had a lot of heroes in R&B and funk and Maybe I'm going to sound too much like Rick James, or I'm going to sound too much like Maurice White from Earth, and Fire. Maybe I don't sound too much like this or that person. And what I found out is, if I just sound like me, mm -hmm. I'm going to find out that don't nobody really sounds like me. Now, I've heard comparisons. I've had people fill my inbox up and tell me I sound like a cross, a cross between Corey Glover from In Living Color and, uh, and uh, Darius Rucker from Hootie and the Blowfish. I've heard that. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. These are great voices. I'm okay with that. But everybody who's heard me sing say I sound like me. But when I produce other people, that's how I figured out to sound, to just be me. Mm -hmm. um, because it's going to be authentic. It, it's going to show that you're being authentic to who you are. Absolutely. And not trying to pretend to be like, you know, whatever musician like you're not trying to be Rick James, you're not trying to be Prince, you, you know, you're, you're authentic to who you are. And yeah, there may be similarities, but it's authentic to who you are. Like you're not, try, you're not, tr not trying to hit that high note because this one artist did, it's just because the song calls for it or you think it needs to be, you know, whatever, whatever the real reason is. So. And here's the funny thing about that. Before I found my voice, I would sing, man, I was hitting wrong notes and out of key and this and that. It was a struggle. When I finally sat down and said, man, I'm going to sound like me, suddenly I started actually hitting the right notes. Mm -hmm. It was the damnedest thing. And I thought, oh, my God, these songs aren't that hard to sing as long as I sing it the way I sang. Yeah. And when I started doing that, I started hitting the right notes and a few adjustments and skills, and man, I was off to the races. I go, shit, I should have did this years ago. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, what advice do you have for younger musicians that are just getting started and maybe trying to find their sound? I think the best thing you could do is figure out, you start, I think the best thing is first start off with who you want to be. If you're a rapper, for mm -hmm. example, and you want to be Mr. Hard Ass, I'll pop the cap in your ass, be that guy. Yeah. If you're trying to do pop music, be that person. But pick a lane and stay in it. Yeah. Because oftentimes what people do, musicians, you know, they'll say, okay, I want to play like Eddie Van Halen, I want to do rock. And their friends tell them, yeah, well, you know what, man? Nobody's buying that kind of rock. You need to do jazz mm -hmm. but yeah he's right i'm gonna do jazz now so then somebody comes along and goes you know jazz musicians don't get that much money and it's a niche thing you should be doing funk okay i'm gonna do funk now and they, they jump around you become like the you know the the master of none basically because you're the jack of all trades so my best advice is to pick a lane and stay in that lane and the second bit of advice is if you're further along in the game, it, it, this is really hard to do. It took me a long time to do it. If you're further, along in the, further enough along in the game where you're releasing singles and you're making singles and all that stuff, find a song and, and, and ride that song until you can't ride it no more. You got to be a stubborn son of a bitch about it. Yeah. Don't get distracted with whether people tell, oh, you got greater songs than that. Like, I don't think that Get the Funk, for example, is my best song. Yeah. You ask me. Yeah. yeah I got three, four others that I think are just better songs. But that's not, that's not the song that people ran to. So I got to respect what people want to hear. Mm -hmm. And so we're just going to push this Get the Funk to there ain't no pushing no more. Like, I think Sunglasses at Night is probably a better song for me. <laughs> You know, because it accomplishes more. It's a club banger. It's a dance song. It's It's got a lot of cool stuff in it. But to answer your question, 
I would tell them, A, figure out who you want to be, and B, once you figure out a song, if you're that point, stick with that song. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's perfect. Right? Like, I mean, another thing that's tried and true that works, like, this is going to be a really weird thing to bring up, but that's what Lil Nas X did with the Absolutely. Old, old Town Road. Yeah. He rode that thing until the wheels fell off. It's Absolutely. it's still charting number one in the UK. There like, you go. So it's like, that song's, what, two years yeah. old at this point? or Nobody's going to need to pass a hat around for Lil Nas X. I know that he'll probably be a one-hit wonder. That'll probably be it. And you know? actually, not even. He's got two other music videos that are out right now. Uh, he's got one that's like charting. Is another one that's charting. It's not like Old Town Road. No, it's the the Panini song. Yeah, right. It's a good song. I thought I like Panini better than I like the Old Town Road. But that's the end of that. Yeah. The, when I say one hit wonder, and I talk about him, um, like I think. I, 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 I look, I'm a big believer in a lot of causes, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I, I love my, my, my gay and lesbian brothers and sisters out there. I think they should be treated equally and so on and so forth. But I think that he came out of the closet too soon, okay? Mm-hmm. I think that he should have waited until he got further into the game. Yeah. Wait until, you know, I, th- I think that was a mistake number one. When do you get further into it to where you're such a mainstay in music? and your fan base is enormous, then you come out, and then the music industry has got a problem now. Because now they can't just kick you to the curb and go, we're going to move on with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Because the public demand for you is too great. So I thought that was mistake number one. I thought mistake number two, man, you had people listening to country music that didn't give a shit about country mm-hmm. music. You were the trap country king. You should just do this Panamini song. Love that song, but you're drifting into Drake territory with that stuff. Yes, man, you should have rolled that trap country thing to the bank. You know how many 18 year olds out there, 19 year olds that's got pickup trucks with you know 16 inch speakers in them that would love to have your music rumbling, rocking squirrels out of fucking trees. He could have easily had two or three more, even just remixes of old time. Easily, easily. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it just, it, it blows my mind, the opportunity that was in front of him, just musically. Forget about who he's choosing to date, just mm-hmm. musically. For him to run back to the Drake side of the room and the auto-tune was just, I was like, what are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. you got the country trap thing. People are already calling you the king of country trap, mm-hmm. you know? You had that thing on lock. You had every country artist wanting to do a... a work with you yeah. you had every rap artist wanting a piece of that pie because of yeah. the, the numbers you're i mean there's just so many reasons why he should just stray down that country road you know road for lack of a better way of putting it <laughs> but he you know so i thought that was a strategic thing wrong with his people but more to the point i thought that the whole thing with him uh, coming out i just thought it was premature mm-hmm. you just gotta wait think about elton john you know yeah. I mean, he went years and years and years and years, and maybe I know things were different back then, yeah. but he got to a point where he was so woven in a society. It's a situation now when Elton John comes to town, people are like, I don't give a shit who he's dating. I want to go see Elton John, yeah. you know? I mean, and that's where you want to be, man, you know? Absolutely, I mean, absolutely. You know? Um, how's uh, producing music help uh, mold you as a performer? Well, I think that when I produce songs, you know, like I tend to be more performer first and producer second. Mm-hmm. Every time I do a song, what's always in my mind is how am I going to sing this to a crowd? And if it's a song that I can't imagine singing to a crowd, I'll still do it. Because, look, people hear music in one of three ways. It's either what I call a writer song, which means... You won't dance to it, but you like listening to it on your radio when you're driving around. Yeah. Or it's a club banger, which means it's a song that it's not even saying much, but the beat just makes you want to dance. Mm-hmm. Or it's what I call kind of a hybrid between the two. And that's the song that's going to get your female audience because it makes them want to dance, 
but it's got a really catchy pop hook, okay? <laughs> and so when I write songs, after this, as I'm putting this together, I try to figure out how I'm going to deliver it to people. Well, writer songs don't work that well in concert because people don't know how to move to it when you're singing it on stage. They just kind of shake their head like this. So if you're on stage, it almost looks like you're bombing because everybody's just kind of shaking their head like this, yeah. Yeah. okay? A club banger, you know, because people are booing their asses, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and a hybrid song with a singer, you know, because they're singing the chorus with you. So when I do a song, if it's a rider song, I'll, you know, I'll basically, when I figure that it's going to be that kind of song, then I scratch it off the live performance thing. Yeah. I go, I'm not gonna perform this live. Yeah. And but if it's a if it's a club banger or a hybrid type song, then I start doing stuff in it that will actually enhance the performance. Like the best example of that is um there's a song, a video I got out called Ain't Nothing But a Party, Billy Ray Rock song. Mm -hmm. And there's a line where I say, uh uh, fake-ass people raise fake-ass children. Mm -hmm. um, and I say that, and I did that line there because when I perform it live, I'll say, fake-ass people raise fake-ass children, and I'll go, shh, and I'll have the music stop. And I'll say, I don't think y'all heard me. I said, fake-ass people raise fake-ass children. And then I'll say, y'all ain't, I, I'm not hearing y'all. I'll do some stuff like that. Yeah. And then I'll do it the last go around. And after they scream the loudest, then the music will kick on. I'll keep going. But I put that line in there so that when I perform live, it gives me a chance to do those things to make sure the audience is engaged. Yeah. So it affects mm -hmm. how I put things together. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, pandemic pending obviously. Um, what's kind of the plan moving forward once you get the album out? Once I get the album out, beyond the pandemic and all that, my next move is going to be, I'm putting together a, uh, uh, I'm going to do a tour over in South Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, my song's doing really well over in the, the Netherlands and UK and all that. I'll probably go over there afterwards. Um, we'll see what the heat is here in the States. Mm-hmm. And I'll come back over here and do some more dates. And if we're in a situation where Get the Funk is still coming up and blowing up, we'll do some more dates here to continue to promote it. If it's kind of hit its ceiling, we'll move on to the next single. And just, you know, get it going, ramped up again. Just keep it happening. Awesome, awesome. And uh, what's, uh, I'm going to ask you a very vague question but I, I'm kind of interested to see how you'll answer this question. Okay. Um, why music? Because there's not a lot you can do. Um, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I spent the last 20, 25 years or so as a headlining professional comedian. Mm. Okay. I don't mention it in my bio and all that because I don't want to go into interviews with people expecting me to be funny. Because uh, then it just takes away from what I'm trying to get out. That said, when you're a comedian and you die, your jokes kind of die, and that's kind of that. Yeah. Unless you've done a movie or something, that's kind of it. Yeah. Music is a, is a form of expression that will live beyond me. My kids and my kids' kids will be able to sit up one day and say, you know, my grandfather, you know, was a talented guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm really proud. This is an example of the work that he did. You know, his contribution was this. And that's why it's music for me. The other part of it is I'm the youngest of 11 kids. Yeah. I'm a little star for attention. I know it seems like as the youngest, I wouldn't be. Yeah. But I had an older sister because she was the baby girl. I got all the attention. Yeah. So I think most of my adult life, um, I've always just, I think I've just kind of wanted that constant approval from audiences. And um, so that's why I get it with music. I get it. It's instant. I got a lot with comic comedy. Mm -hmm. um, 
because comedy is more of a personal thing, you know, when you talk to people and they laugh and all that. But music is one of those things that, you know, it touches people in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. I might get DMs from people from the Time Keeps On song and I go, man, you know, you're, you know, you, you know, I get a lot of messages from people about they had a good woman mm-hmm. or I get it from women that say, oh my God, you know, my boyfriend never appreciate what he had. I wish he did because I love him so much. I get it from guys who say, yeah, man, I've lived that with my wife. Fortunately, we were able to put it back together. Um, so it's just, you know, it, it's, it's any way I can maybe affect people's lives. Awesome. How long has it been since you uh, quit doing comedy? Um, I still do it when I get a chance. It's mm-hmm. been a solid probably five to 10 years since I did it full time. Like okay. Every week I was out there doing it. Gotcha. But um, the last I did, actually I did a show, uh, a comedy tour type thing just before the pandemic hit. It was in like late, uh, it was late January. Okay. Yeah, I was out in the uh, Tri-Cities, Washington area. I did some dates up in Oregon and a couple of dates in California. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So it's not something that you've completely abandoned. It's just not your main priority right now. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, you know, I'm always going to be a comedian, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, again, but yeah, it's just not something I, you know, uh, not a number one thing, but it comes in handy, man. I, you know, I, you know, it, it allows me to have a lot of opportunities I could see down the road from hosting shows to, you know, you know, and I'm sure you could probably use it, use your comedy brand as an in into other, like if say you wanted to go to the UK, I'm sure you could book comedy gigs over there and use, and then yeah. go and do music shows on the side and use it kind of dual purpose. Yeah. So, yeah. Comedy was something that I wanted to try, but then I went to an open mic and I got so scared. I didn't even go out on stage. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, I'm good. Yeah, comedy's a different animal, man. It's, yeah, because uh, yeah. I, I remember when I was younger, I tweeted uh, Joey Diaz. And I was like, hey, how do you get started in comedy? He's like, get on fucking stage. And that was it. But I'm like, <laughs> okay. So Pretty much. And that's why I could, the pandemic might be the killer of a lot of comedians. Yeah. Because music you can just continue to make and stuff comedy if you don't got an audience you're dead yeah you're dead. You, you can't you can't be rehearsed in the mirror like guys like me who've been doing it for a long time i can go out tomorrow and knock off an hour on stage and not even bat an eye you know but there are guys out there who aren't as, as skilled with it and didn't develop it mm-hmm. and as every month that goes by they forget a little bit of the nuances of how to do their material and it's just, it's, it's, it's a tough thing, man. Yeah, I, I completely understand. I completely understand. Um, but I want to thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. I really appreciate you giving me the time. Uh, where can everybody find you online? Where can they find your music? Uh, the album, when it eventually comes out, you know, all that fun stuff. Well, um, my album, my song, Get the Funk, you can find everywhere. Just Google Billy Ray Rock. Um, in terms of online, man, Billy Ray Rock and the number one across just about any format. The only places where it's a little different is Facebook. It's Billy Ray Rock, and you spell out the number one. It's, it's O-N-E. Mm-hmm. Of course, my website, BillyRayRock.com. Um, you can find me on YouTube, Billy Ray Rock. Just Google it. You'll get me there. The, the other thing is um, my fans and supporters, man, uh, I lovingly call them Ray Rockers, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, And so if you want to become a Ray Rocker, I got some T-shirts I'm giving away to folks and stickers and all kinds of merch. Uh, just go to BillyRayRock.com and sign up for the mailing list. Um, but I want to say one thing before we log off here, man. Mm-hmm. Look, I spent a lot of years working on my crack, brother. Mm-hmm. I've had people tell me I couldn't sing. I've had people just not want to give me – I've put up with a lot of crap from people. Mm-hmm. And so, man, anytime anybody wants to sit and talk to me about any music that I've done, man, I got to tell you, I feel incredibly blessed. And anybody that wants to hear even one verse of what I make, man, I feel like the luckiest man for it, brother. And, I, and so I, I want to tell you, I truly thank you from the bottom of my heart to have me on here and share stories of this music that I make. Uh, we all gonna, ain't going to live forever. 
Mm -hmm. For the time that I'm here, man, I feel incredibly lucky that I was able to share my story with you and your listeners. And um, I hope they just continue to share this journey with me, man, because it's going to be a fun. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited to, now that I've got to know you a little bit more and I got some context behind the music that you're uh, putting out there, it's like, cool. I can't wait to see what you got going on and where you go in the future, you know? Okay, brother. Yeah, awesome. But uh, once again, thank you so much for jumping on. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys later.